Welcome to the Higher Podcast with Austin Gravit. Exclusive interviews with CEOs, celebrities, and top-tier guests in the entertainment industry that are making an impact in the world while making themselves a priority to stay in top shape. This is the Higher Podcast. Gravitating toward your higher self. Right, so this is the first episode of the Higher Podcast. I am your host, Austin Gravitt. For those listening for the first time, I'm interviewing CEOs and really guys that are absolutely dominating it in their space. And in addition to that, they've made themselves a priority. You know, they've made their health the top priority. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking with the one and only. AJ Mirzat. AJ is the owner, well, was the owner of Online Supercoach. And now he's a venture capitalist. He's an investor. He's absolutely crushing it. He's traveling the world. He's having fun. AJ, what is going on, brother? Austin, my man. So great to be on here. I'm honored. I'm excited. Pumped for this podcast. Dude, you pumped is an understatement. Like I, I think I might be a little bit more excited than you because <laughs> selfishly, because you have no idea how crazy this is. Like to before we get in, like how you and I met, but like this all got this all comes back full circle because what what's and you may or may not realize this when I first started a podcast and at the time wasn't right then you had motivated me to start that. And and you were the one who who pushed me and I started the podcast. And I remember I came on one of your podcasts and now here we are, you know, what, six years later. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Glad to be here. This is the circle of life, as they say in the Lion King. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I look like, like if anyone's watching video right now, I look like I'm on the Lion King with the, with the yes. zebra stripes. <laughs> Love the zebra. So yeah, man. But, um, you know, we, we, we both have a, you know, we, in terms of we, well, we go back to 2016 and, um, mutually, you know, I guess we knew some people and I went to one of your events and, and what was it like, uh, it was back in, in Brook or in, um, Queens. Wow, Queens. Yeah. Queens, uh, April, 2016. Yeah. That was one of the best, uh, seminars. And uh, you spoke at many of my events. You always knocked it out the park on the stage, you know? So well, thanks, man. I, I remember that event, dude. When I like, I, I went to, I went to your, I went to one in 2015, actually in October, and then at 2016, the one you're talking about in April, that's when I finally bit the bullet. And I remember I at the time when you were an online super coach, I invested. In, I was like, I was like literally shaking, like putting like my car down. I was like, but I know this guy, he he can do it. Like he can show me <laughs> the way, you know. And it's just crazy. Like now, six years later or I guess now going to seven years later, um, it's like everything just comes like around. It's just like, you know, just to be talking about this stuff, like hear how you, how you, how much you've grown, you know, I can't wait to get into a lot of that stuff today. Like how much you've grown in terms of um, from a business perspective and, and not just that, like how you, you've really mastered the game, I could say of, um, of financial wealth, but also yourself, you know, and I didn't mean to rhyme there. I just came out that way, but you've mastered this game and you figured out like, it's incredibly inspiring. You figured out how to keep yourself in shape while, you know, making seven, eight figures, you know, in, in terms of business. And 
you know, it's, it's, um, that's something I want to really dive into today. But and before we do that, like, what would you say, like, like if, if, if you could give me the, the synopsis or the, the short story of just what initiated you to, to get into that space. And then, you know, it's a little bit of a loaded question, but what initiated you to get into that space and then get into this next chapter of your life? Yeah. So thank you for the kind words. I appreciate you. And uh, I just think about like uh, just our relationship. I want to give you a shout out and acknowledge you because you may not know this, but you've been a huge inspiration for me, you know, because I first had you as a student and then you became a good friend. And I always see like what you're doing. I'm super inspired by your own life because you are a humble guy. You've built a successful business, beautiful family life. You recently got married three months ago. You got a beautiful pad, beautiful car. You're living the life and, uh, you know, you're, you're like on this constant progression. And it's incredible to see like how much you've grown since I first met you uh, eight years ago in 2015. So, man, man, major props, man. You're such an inspiration, really living your truth. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Oh, to you, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, man, you're the one that's doing the hard work. You know, I'm just guiding you. So. Uh, it, it's incredible to see. And, and yeah, and to answer your question, um, you know, I grew up very poor. I came to America. I was the son of immigrants. You know, I was actually a year old when I came to this country. And uh, it was me and then three of my younger brothers. Eventually, uh, six of us lived in a one bedroom apartment in Queens. And it was tough because my parents had a uh, language issues they didn't really understand english so they had really shitty jobs and uh from there we grew up in poverty we're on food stamps and uh welfare it was like very embarrassing as i was getting older like why are we so poor and uh my mother and father would always fight started off verbal but it became physical and a lot of the fights were around money how are we going to pay the rent how are we going to feed the kids and my mom would say something disrespectful. My dad would slap her. And it was like the first 10 years of my life, just seeing this extreme violence and trauma. And uh, I didn't know that this was bad because I thought everyone's household, their parents fought and their dad beat their mom. So it was just like this crazy, chaotic situation. And being the oldest of four boys and the best English speaker at the time, I made an assessment that money is causing all the problems in my family because my parents would fight about money or not being able to pay the rent or feed the kids. And my mom would say, you're not providing. My dad would get upset and his pride would go on and you'd beat her. And it was like this toxic uh, household situation. And it was like, at a young age, I, I have to be successful. I have to be rich because if I'm poor and if I stay poor, my whole life is going to be this toxic, violent environment. So let me at a young age to want to understand what is money all about and do I have what it takes to be a self-made millionaire, you know? So it was just this whole journey of understanding myself and understanding psychology, understanding other people, mindset, sales, the ability to have discipline. Uh, what are our first goals, right? We want to get in shape and join a gym and get our body right. Once we have the physical, then we look at spiritual elements and mental elements and having more energy. And then once we're at a higher level of capacity, we 
want to make more money, whether that's excelling in our job and become the CEO of a company or starting your own business from startup, simple website, social media, and building it to six, seven, eight figures. And all of this is a journey. It's all of it comes down to the psychology of money, right? Because I do feel that money is a oxygen on this planet and uh, money solves a lot of problems, right? If your mother has a really rare, terrible form of cancer, and the only way that she could get cured or get help is an exotic cancer clinic, and it costs $2 million a year to put her there. And if you have the means to give her another few years of life or possibly save her life, you have the money to change her whole family's destiny. Sadly, a lot of people don't have that type of money. So their mother goes to a public hospital and she dies. They put on chemotherapy, you know, so it's crazy to think, but this is the world that we live in. We're in a capitalistic society. So I knew from a very uh, young age that it's very important for me to learn the art of money, the science of money, how to attract it, how to keep it, how to grow it. And then I came to realize in my initial um, foray with it, I learned how to make a lot of money. I started a business and started growing and got myself out of poverty, but then I was excessive with it. I abused it. You know, I bought this 10 bedroom, 6,000 square foot mansion in New York and a Bentley convertible, a Mercedes, a BMW, all these cars and, you know, flew first class, just spend, spend, spend. And I realized I was on this crazy hedonic treadmill because the more I spent, the more I had to up level, right? The Bentley convertible, that's good. But now I need the Rolls Royce convertible. And then after that, I should get a Bugatti. And then I need a private jet, then a yacht because it never ends, you know? So I was like, all right, I think I'm going up the wrong ladder. I'm working harder. I'm making more money, but at the same time, it's not making me any happier. I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses and flex on Instagram. So I had this really big awakening a few years back and I decided to basically sell everything, right? I sold my mansion, sold all my cars, all my material possessions, gave it all away, just went down to zero, did a hard reset, zero materialistic items and after selling everything, I proceeded to move to Thailand, you know, got out of the West and went to the East and uh, sold my business. I was married. Unfortunately, that led to a divorce. So zero attachments from ground zero. I had to learn how to rebuild myself. Wow, man. Like that's the, the just I, I honestly never knew about the, the backstory of um your childhood growing up like that and for you to because I, I just not to, to go on a tangent here but even like I remember you telling some stories like when you first got into the business like of like even to get on camera like you had didn't you had to like take a shot of alcohol and like to see how much you I mean seeing you even speak at your events like how polished you're speaking like the your way to control the frame of the room like you just you had like just to hear like how much you you you've grown and from from a from a business perspective, while keeping yourself in shape, um, and then also to to pivot just a little bit, key word when you said hedonic treadmill, um, that is such a I feel like that it, that is like the the entrepreneur curse. You know, it's 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 the blessing and the curse where, you know, as a high performer as an entrepreneur, like you have this inherent ability to want to be better. And, and that's a good thing because you push yourself and you don't want to stop. But there comes a point in time where that hamster wheel, that hedonic treadmill just keeps going. Oh yeah. And, it's infinite. Yeah. It's like, it's like the, the carrot and stick it's hold, it's right out in front of you. And like, you're trying to chase it and you're trying to chase it. You're trying to chase it. And, um, or the, it's like, a, I saw this thing on, 
on Instagram. It was like a, it was like an NFT, like art. And it was like, like a business and running uh-huh. like, on the sedonic treadmill. And then like, right as he was running, like he was like a corporate executive, his like suit just like disintegrated and he fell into like a six foot hole. Wow. It was That's crazy. Yeah. But, but for you to have this, to bring this back is like for you to have this, like this sense of awareness around all this, like what was the catalyst when, when you, you know, you bought the mansion. I remember you bought that and you were, you were like, you had really like, that's, I think when you were like well into the seven figures with, with your business and then you bought the mansion, you bought the cars, you were, you were killing it. And New York's not a cheap place to live for those listening. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's not a cheap place. So like for you to get to that level, like where, where was the, what was like the catalyst that create, like allowed you to say, like, look up from this objective point of view and say, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't going to make you happy. Like, what was that catalyst? Yeah. I, I, I really feel like my major awakening moment occurred right when the pandemic happened. Uh, this was uh february uh 2020 um i went on a trip to brazil for carnival rio de janeiro i've always wanted to experience carnival in brazil and uh, this was like a lifelong dream trip i had a bunch of friends and we all went together and um the whole point of the trip was at the time of my life to really understand like do I want to stay in New York or do I want to travel and be nomadic? And, you know, this is prior to like COVID hitting and also prior to me going through one of the worst accidents of my life. Uh, it was just this interesting time where it was just like this trip is going to define me. It's going to make me or break me. And I remember when we got to Rio de Janeiro, I went with a bunch of friends and uh, one of my friends, his name is uh, Sterling Griffin. He's yeah. also in, in the same space, you know, online fitness, business marketing. And, um, you know, we uh, had another friend named Chase who organizes these trips and brought a bunch of entrepreneurs to Brazil. When we got there, there was just this weird energy. You know, first off, when we landed in Brazil, it was like raining cats and dogs. It was like one of the worst rain ever, like for two days, dark, gloomy, rainy. And it was like, dang, we just got into this vacation and it's raining nonstop. Carnival is kind of like this uh, outdoor party. There's music, there's drinking, there's drugs, there's sex. It's, you know, Mardi Gras times a million and um, it's raining. So everyone's like all depressed and somber. Uh, Finally, the rain was starting to subside and we decided to go out on the town. Everyone's going crazy, you know, because it was raining hard now. It's dry. Let's have fun. And the first night we went out, it was a really bad omen because we all went out and drank on the streets. And, you know, you go to Mardi Gras, you go to any like street party in America, people are drinking, having fun, having a blast, right? Maybe there's a fight or two or people yelling or, you know, little, you know, scuffles here and there, nothing too crazy. But now we are in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, uh, one of the most violent and crime-ridden places on this planet. Now, I had a lot of Brazilian friends and I told them I'm going to Rio. They said, AJ, please be careful. Be as careful as possible. This is not America. People will throw you in a trunk and kidnap you. People will kill you. People will steal from you. Do not put your phone. Don't take selfies. No Instagram stories. Do not flash money. Be low key. Be alert. Be very self-aware. 
I heard this over and over, and that was my objective. I'm not going to drink too much tonight. I'm going to enjoy myself, be aware of my surroundings. So we all went out as a group of eight of us. And um, I remember it was getting kind of late, 12, 1 o'clock. Now, I took the advice to not drink too much, be calm and sane, because it's a dangerous place. We're not in Kansas anymore. However, I realized that my friend Sterling and his girlfriend Haley, uh, they kind of lost the pack. So Chase, our friend, said, hey, at one o'clock in the morning, if we don't find one another, we're going to meet at this landmark. There was this triangle in the middle of the street. So one o'clock, I start walking back there. Another guy comes. Another guy comes. It's like, okay, looks like the group is coming together at the meetup spot. Then 20 minutes pass, 30 minutes pass. Wait, what happened to Sterling and Haley? And uh, all of a sudden, I, I see them walking in the distance. But, man, they're all disheveled. Her hair's all over the place. He's bleeding. His head's bleeding. His face is bleeding. His clothes are ripped into pieces. Bro, what happened? They apparently ended up going down the wrong street, oh. some back alley, and uh, they ran into – a Brazilian gang, and uh, they are, you know, from uh, Texas, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, just wearing a bikini top. And, and he's, you know, rocking just uh, jeans, you know, his guy ripped, uh, you know, the major targets, Americans, tourists. And they did not follow the advice of being low key. They're taking Instagram videos, going live, sharing everything, you know, really loud, not really where their surroundings so they ended up walking into this gang, and one thing led to another. They were a little drunk. So the leader of the gang said to Sterling, uh, hey, you walk down the wrong street. This is the wrong part of town. Now, we could do this peacefully or we could do this violently, saying this in broken English. He was explaining the story to me. The guy said, hey, you have a phone, and you have a phone. Give us your phones, and you have the rest of your night. So at some point, intelligence kicked in. There's about 40 of them and two of us. Okay, here is my phone, my phone. They walked away. Now, Haley, she was a bit more tipsy, and uh, she came up with an idea and said, hey, maybe they don't want the phone, but they want money. How about we say, let's give you $100 US, and you give us our phones back. Now, Sterling said, I don't know if that's a good idea, but hey, really need our phones. He's an entrepreneur. His business is on there. She has tons of photos and videos for her personal life. So they proceeded to walk back to the Brazilian gang and make the offer of $100 each USD back for their phones. This seemed to insult the gang leader. And he said, let me think about it and came and punched Sterling right in his face. It stunned him. It hit him so hard. He fell down to the ground. They proceeded to jump him, kicking him, punching him. It was like 20 guys, right? So she, uh, girlfriend, uh, my, my boyfriend's getting attacked. They're going to kill him. They're jumping him. She tries to you know, help him. 20 Brazilian girls come and beat her up. And they get beaten and bruised and just jumped for like 10 minutes. And by the time they got up, they were just bleeding from head to toe, clothes torn off, disheveled, and Oh, my God, it was a very sad, unfortunate situation. And this was like the first night, right? The first night of going out is a very bad omen. So, unfortunately, they were extremely traumatized. I mean, any couple going to a country and getting jumped and getting 
your phone, all your money, you know, thousands of dollars taken from you and humiliated, beaten, traumatized, violated publicly. Uh, this doesn't happen in America. Thank God they survived. So they ended up having to go to the hospital, stayed up the whole night. He had to get stitches all across his head and she had major injuries. So they were extremely depressed. And actually that first night just turned him off so bad. They took a flight back home to Texas and it was <laughs> yikes, you know, bad way to start this trip. Oh my gosh, man. I never knew that, that he inhaling got like beat up like that. And that oh. sounds absolutely terrifying. You know, they lived in very good neighborhoods and became a good family. So they never had anyone rob them. They have never anyone jumped them. I mean, I think Sterling got to like one fight in his life, you know? So it was like traumatizing to be in this extremely violent, traumatic situation. Thankfully, he survived, but of course, stitches and ruined the whole trip. So they decided to get a flight back home. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, they're actually the closest people that uh, I was friends with this, with this group that we had, you know, some other random people that came in. I said, I'm going to make the most of it. So it was a very somber and depressing mood, of course, when this happens and you feel bad for your friends to get jumped and beat up and everything stolen from them. So the next day there was a, a party in Brazil. These parties are called blocos, huge, big parties on the street. People are drinking and going nuts. And, you know, I was kind of depressed because I felt bad what happened to Sterling and Haley. Uh, the rest of the group said, hey, you know, there's a Beatles blocko. It starts at 9 a.m. We're going to go to this place. We're going to enjoy it, have some drinks. And, you know, I said, guys, I, I feel bad. I'm going to hang out with uh, Sterling and Haley. Their flight is later today. Um, I'm not wanting to go. You know what? I'll just go to the gym. I'll get a little workout. And they're like, oh, fine. You know, we totally understand. You know, keep, uh, you know, your friend's company. They go to the party. And I'm just hanging out with them in the room. They're really depressed. They're really just hurt, traumatized, you know, just getting jumped and violated. You, you lose faith in humanity when stuff like that happens. Um, from there, I, you know, say, I don't want to be stuck in this room all day long. If it's okay with you guys, I'm going to go to the gym. I get a little workout in. Uh, there's a gym that was right down the street. I proceeded to walk there. And by the time I got to the gym, I had to pee really badly. And I was like, okay, I'll just pee in the gym and get a little workout in. I go there and it's locked. The gym is closed. It's a holiday. Carnival is a major country ride holiday. Shit, the gym is closed. So from that point on, I was like, man, I got to pee really badly. I saw people peeing on the street, vomiting on the street, having sex on the street. Anything goes. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, here in Brazil. But I'm a decent American citizen. And I say, you know, I, I, I'm not going to do anything bad. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know the laws here. I also don't want to be a victim. Uh, peeing on the street and someone hits me in the back of the, head of the bottle, which I saw happen. I mean, just, I know, I never saw so much violence in a party. Stones getting, uh, phones getting stolen, people getting hit with bottles, fights left and right, you know. Rio is one of the roughest places on earth, actually. It's uh, one of the most high crime and murder, especially during Carnival or big events like this when tourists come in. So I think I'm going to go back to the apartment, hang out with uh, Sterling and, and Haley, and enjoy their final hours before they go back to America. But the pee, it was getting worse and worse. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have drank so much water. And shit, maybe I should have peed on the street. But we had an Airbnb, seven flights up. I proceeded to get on the elevator, got up to the floor, and then got to the front door. 
Now, I didn't have my key. Usually you open the key, go in, pee, and relieve yourself. So I got to pee really bad. I'm really uncomfortable, and I'm, fuck. Okay, Sterling and Haley, they're home. I, they're definitely home. They're not going anywhere. They're depressed and traumatized. I'm knocking on the door. Hey, Sterling, Haley, please open the door. I got to pee really bad. I got to go knocking, knocking, knocking. Man, 30 seconds felt like it was three hours. Eternity when you got to pee, you know? So I'm pacing back and forth. What do I do? I, I got to go really bad. It's getting worse now because now I can't get in. More knocking. Shit, maybe they're sleeping or having sex. What the fuck? Then I open the door. So I start pacing back and forth in that hallway. And I was like, okay, sometimes in a building, they have a bathroom. I remember there was a security guard in the front desk. Uh, if I just go down the flight of stairs, perhaps I will see a security guard. Someone can lead me to a bathroom, even someone who has an apartment. So I proceed to walk towards the staircase. And the first step that I take, all of a sudden, I have this major slip. My front leg goes up straight. My back leg curls. And I hear the loudest pop, pop, and the worst pain known to mankind. Oh, my God, what the fuck happened? So I walked down the stairs. One leg slipped down. One leg stayed up. Mm. So I did a split. I'm not able to do a split. Somehow I did. And in the process of doing that split, I ended up tearing my quadricep off my femur. I broke my leg. And it was just the most freak accident, worst fall known to mankind. And I was stone sober at 9 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. I realized I really messed up. So... I try to stand up and then my leg buckles underneath me. I was like, this never happened to me before. Wow, I can't even stand on this leg. And all of a sudden, like that crazy urge to pee just went away. My body's in flight or flight, I guess. And I'm like, wow, I guess I really didn't have to pee. That was all mental. <laughs> Shit, now I'm screwed. So I'm yelling, help, help. I'm hoping they could hear my screaming at this point. Someone could hear because I can't do anything. I could barely stand up. So no one's coming. I crawl from the seventh floor to the first floor on my hands, on my elbows, just dragging myself in this nasty, grimy, Brazilian apartment, you know, wasn't the best kept place. So this was disgusting, dehumanizing, but I knew I had to get to a hospital because I can't walk. I was paralyzed for the first time in my life. I, I can't walk. Like walking is something we take for granted. Now, every time I stood up, I'd buckle back down this leg had nothing because the quadricep started to roll up my thigh. And I just had this big clump of muscle. My quadricep muscle was sitting on top of my hip. And I just never experienced anything like this before. The most excruciating pain. It snapped off the bone. The bone was broken. It was like, I never got this type of injury before. And no one's there to help me. I managed to crawl down to the lobby. Security card is not there. I'm like, shit. So I'm just lying there and there are people just walking, you know, drinking. And uh, some people are you know, sticking their head in and Brazilian saying something. I don't speak the language. They don't realize that I, I'm seriously hurt. They probably thought I was drunk or on drugs. So they just like look at me and say, OK, have fun, bro. Uh, finally, my friends end up coming back. This is an hour after the accident happened of laying there on the dirty ground. They see that I'm hurt and proceed to say, okay, we got to get you an ambulance. So they called an ambulance and got me to the hospital. And as soon as I got to the doctor, without doing an x-ray, without doing anything, he saw the big clump of muscle. Son, you broke your leg and you tore your quadricep. 
this is a very severe injury. We need to perform surgery in the next 24 hours or you're not able to walk. It'll really mess things up because once the quadricep or any muscle tears, it rolls up, whether it's your bicep or your quadricep. Now you have to reattach it. You have to do it within a timely manner. Otherwise, it'll never be the same. Now we are fit people. We could jump, we could squat, we could run, we could sprint. All of these activities, I realized like I might not be able to ever do this again because sometimes when you have an uh, accident that's so bad, you're screwed up for the rest of your life. So I realized that this uh, hospital in Brazil was not the best place to be. So I got an emergency flight, you know, just like Sterling and Haley did. The next day I flew back to New York and that's when the pandemic hit. By this time, it was March. All of a sudden, the world started to close down. And thankfully, I was able to get in, had a severe emergency surgery. They were able to reattach the quadricep back to the bone. My whole leg got bandaged up by this huge cast. And they said, hey, you're likely not going to walk for the next three to six months. And I'm like, this crazy, super depressed. And I'm like, my life is ruined. I never had that type of injury before. If you've had an injury, whether it's a sprained ankle or even like a slight muscle tear, it screws you up, especially being a fit, active person. So I went from this ripped, shredded, phenomenal shape, sprinting, you know, 10 miles an hour on the treadmill for 20 minutes. I was in phenomenal shape. Now I, I can't even stand up. I can't even squat. So that's when I really had to think about my life. I really had to think about everything, put everything into perspective just laying in bed at home alone during the pandemic. Everyone's at home, but they're not paralyzed. And I'm rec recuperating uh, for months initially, just kind of staring at the ceiling and just uh, wondering like, where am I going with my life? And what am I gonna do? And you know, honestly, like a uh, big part of my business was hosting events and seminars. Now, all of my seminars I had to cancel. I was hosting seminars out of my house and at this conference hall. Now. The pandemic, as you know, no live events, no more than five people at a time can meet. So that part of my business was decimated completely. And because I can't do videos, I can't perform, I can't just be, you know, the person I am now. I can't even sit in a chair like this, just lying in bed. I realized I have to figure things out. And, you know, the, this mansion that I had, like, you know, it was like a $6,000 a month mortgage, but the taxes on the property, because I lived in New York, the taxes alone on the property was $40,000 a year, you know, and <laughs> driving up Bentley Crazy. and having all these cars, the insurance, you know, I had like, you know, $40,000, $50,000 a month and just expenses, you know, now my income is cut to zero. So I'm like, okay, I have to really think about this because never in a million years that I think that I would have an accident that would not allow me to work or generate income, but the reality is hitting me and I'm by myself. I don't have a wife. I don't have you know, someone who could come in and save the day, uh, all of a sudden I would have to eat through my savings and that's it. I have other investments and other things, but if I'm not working and generating income, and I'm not able to bring an income to keep myself afloat, then all these crazy expenses in this lifestyle that I have for what, right? And that was kind of like the beginning of realizing like, maybe I should have a change in lifestyle, you know? Um, I just had this big desire to do a hard reset. I was so depressed. I was so hurt, just helpless because I would love going to the gym. Now I came to do push-ups. I came to do a simple squat, you know, at least in the pandemic, the gyms were closed. We could do some movement at home. Actually, you were very helpful, man. You did so much great stuff for people. You have 
so much great routines and workouts and options. So like, I remember just like being so depressed watching your videos, Austin, because I was laying in bed and just, you were doing a, you know, a, a plank, you know, a, you know, the, the, the a burpee. I remember like how depressed I was seeing you do burpees. So I was like, I can't even do that. You don't understand how much it hurts you. So that was kind of like the big catalyst of just wanting to do this crazy 360 with my life, realizing that in a split second, you have this freak accident that will paralyze you or put you in a terminal illness or just wipe away everything you had and you're helpless. And you have to decide in that moment, am I going to start drinking alcohol and doing drugs and self-medicating myself and making the situation worse? Or am I going to start you know, like Goggin says, building calluses in the mind and slowly and surely rebuilding myself, but having a new foundation based on minimalism and not needing anything and realizing that no one's coming to the rescue. So I need to build myself out of this, build my, my mental health back again, build my body back again, rehab myself, but also realize that like anything can happen, right? You can go out into a random street and get jumped, you almost get beaten to death. You can slip on a staircase break your leg, tear your quads up and be paralyzed for six months, man, it was just like I was in a wheelchair, you know, I, I couldn't even walk uh, up and down stairs, you know, it was just like, and that's what really, it made me realize that like, man, life is, is just so unpredictable, but you have to be prepared for the worst case scenario. Dude, that is a hell of a story. And I <laughs> thank you for sharing that because I, I never realized you know, and, and, and I never realized the, the amount, and I can, I can imagine for you to be like going through all like that after coming home and, and from Brazil and then, you know, having to recover and, and the worst time possibly could happen. You can't operate a business. You can't even have yeah. people come over. And exactly. You're alone. Yeah. Yeah. For have to have no one to talk to. I mean, that was like, and that was for the height of like a lot of people, like that was, you know, like the people mentally were just. Oh my God. Up. Yeah. To this day, right. There's repercussions of it. I mean, man, suicide is still up. Alcoholism, drugs, fentanyl overdoses, man, the pandemic, like long lasting effects. But that, that first year, I mean, every, I, I was the most depressed and helpless and, you know, thank God I, I, I didn't go down the dark path, but it was so easy to go down a dark path. It's so easy to, you know, get a bunch of bottles of vodka delivered to your place and just drink yourself 24 seven into a stupor, you know, mm -hmm. so you do that. And, and, and like, that's the thing uh, you, you brought up is like that catalyst where you don't, the, the cliche, it's like, you don't realize what you had until it's gone. Yes. And it's like, you have it, no idea. Yeah. That's a, that's a prime example, man. Like the every, so descriptive what you said there. And, um, what I find so admirable, like you, you riffed on, on, on Goggins for a little bit about the, the callus in the mind. And, and really you had this like binary choice where you were left with where it was, do I want to be the victim or do I want to be the victor? And yes. victor outweighed the victim. Like you, you know, nine out of 10 people, man, I, I, I truthfully believe most people in that situation would have said, fuck this. I'm going to drink alcohol. I'm going to numb myself. Yeah. Self-medicate. And, and, you know, I don't blame him. That's a, that's a incredible situation, like experience to go to through, but for you and everything like in your past and what you've, what you've created, like, I believe that you, you had the foundation to 
to rise above and to yes. use your adversity to your advantage. And that's why, you know, three years later, you, you sold the business, you're, you've sold everything. It's like in, a, in oddly as it sounds, it's like a blessing disguise where, oh yeah, you know, you sold that stuff, but now it's like nomadically you're traveling the world. You're, 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 you're in a different paradigm, a different wavelength of, of, of time now. And you're experiencing things a little bit differently um, from a, from a more, you could say, um, no, yeah, nomadic point of view, but like you've gained so much wisdom from that, man. And oh yeah, I, I have two two major lessons I would love to share if that's okay. With yeah, you. dude, share it. Yeah, uh, the the two biggest lessons were one, um, if there is a time that I cannot work for money, I need to learn how to make my money work for me. So being in bed depressed alone and just having all the time in the world because everyone's at home but they at least have family friends girlfriends and have a damn dog you know it was so depressing so i realized that i had to learn how to invest how to trade stocks how to trade crypto uh how to do options trading who do i know is not working but their money's working for them making phone calls just reaching out to people like you know, every single person they encountered at a seminar, at a networking event, old masterminds that I was a part of, reaching out to them and asking, telling them, listen, I'm in a fucked up situation. Right now, I'm not able to work. I don't have income coming in. Thankfully, I still have an online business, but uh, the seminars and live events, but the ability to perform and do sales calls and presentations and webinars, that is completely gone. So I have a good amount of money. Now, I want to grow this money and have it work for me and reinvest it. And that was like one of the biggest things that I've been doing over the past few years is I've learned how to make my money work for me because my investments, uh, thankfully, at this point in time, now far surpass the best months I've had in my business, you know, where I'm now earning uh, seven figures passively with all of these invests. I would have never done that. If this accident never happened, you know, and I'm like, holy shit, like I was so scared of losing it all and not having any money. Now I've unlocked the power of just generating money. My money is kind of like this um, tree, you know, that's just you know, creating fruit of more money and passive income, more money that I can even spend. And I'm like, wow, I never thought it was possible. I never thought I could be in a place where my passive investments are earning more than my business ever did, you know? And that was like one of the biggest lessons, of course, you know? The other lesson was that I didn't travel a lot. Before I went to Brazil, I never really left the country. You know, I was just in hustle mode because uh, for a decade, my goal was to build a seven-figure business. I took maybe little weekend getaways. A lot of it was based on going to a mastermind, right? Uh, going to Texas to see a mentor, staying one night in a hotel, uh, hanging out by the pool, then going right back to work. You know, it, I, I never just went where I just basically went for two weeks to like travel around a new foreign country and eat weird foods and really experience things. I had a fear. I had such a fear that if I would travel, something bad would happen, like breaking my leg or getting hurt in a third world country, you know. And that's what happened. But because it happened and because it took me a year, it took me multiple surgeries and hours and hours of excruciating pain and physical therapy and having to do plant medicines to like really heal my body and my mind, I realized that, wow, after that one year, I'm okay. And 
if God forbid I were to get hurt in a random country by myself, everything's going to be okay. The fear went away of traveling because a lot of my fears was getting mugged, getting robbed, or having money stolen from me and being stuck in a really bad situation, you know, in a place that we don't have American laws, we don't have lawyers, we don't have the police, we don't have family close by. But it gave me a lot of resilience. And that's when I realized, like, I pretty much overcame one of the worst things that could happen to someone while they're traveling. So then I said, you know what, now I'm in a situation where my money's working for me. And I'm now able to walk again and move. My fitness is coming back and I'm able to exercise. And, you know, because I lost a lot of muscle, and I put on a lot of fat. I was really, really, really out of shape because I was just laying in bed all day, you know, just eating food. I, I couldn't do anything, couldn't even walk. Um, so I decided to sell everything, my mansion, my cars, uh, my Rolex, like every single thing that I owned that I could sell. I put on Facebook Marketplace. I sold it on Craigslist, on eBay, uh, pretty much. Stuff I couldn't sell, just gave it away. You know, just take it for free. Hey, do you want this? you want that? And I basically liquidated myself. And all the money I just put into my investments because now this vehicle that the money's working for me. So the money is getting made through investing. And I just said, you know what? Now I could just take a one-way ticket. Asia was the first place. I want to travel to Thailand, go to Japan, China, India, Bali, Indonesia, and just, just, just not have any goals because thankfully I was able to sell my business. I don't have to be on any phone calls. I don't have to answer any emails. I had a whole team of people working for me, you know, I said, hey, I'm selling everything. Uh, I let them all go. I had zero attachments, no relationship, just me, myself, and I, and this ATM with unlimited funds. But I didn't want to, because again, I, I I didn't care to like be flashy or anything. I just wanted to have experiences, you know? So all the fear of traveling went away and I had this abundance of never earning cash flow that I couldn't spend in five lifetimes. I got really frugal, got really minimal. So that kind of led me to like where I am now, where thankfully I'm in a great place financially. I pretty much have almost no expenses. I'm just kind of nomadically traveling to different countries and staying in random places. And I realized I don't need that much. I have, you know, a little laptop I take with me, my phone. I wear the same clothes just about every day. Um, nothing about me. If someone saw me in the street, would think I, I'm a wealthy guy. You know, I, I just look like a broke dude enjoying life. And from there, I'm so much happier, bro. Like I've never been this happy because all of these games that I was playing to like climb up this hedonic treadmill and flash on Instagram, you know, we have like mutual friends and this guy's posting a Lamborghini. This guy's in a private jet. And, I, and I'm like, why am I not there? And it's like, I don't have to play that game anymore because I don't care. Like no one knows how much money I have. I'd rather be wealthy and anonymous. I just stopped even posting like on social media. I po hardly post anything flashy, right? So it kind of changed my whole philosophy on life. But I realized I am just so happy, so peaceful because I'm not competing against society. I'm not having to like go up this, you know, wealth, six figures, seven figures, eight figures. Are you making a hundred million yet? What color is your Bugatti? You know, it's like... <laughs> But, you know, we have guys like Dan Blazarian and, and the Tates, right? Because young men, that's who we look up to. I don't look up to those motherfuckers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because you can even see that their excess led them 
in a trap that they can get out of, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's a very interesting perspective. How it like, it's uh, like, it's, it, it's, it's, it's so crazy how this comes back full circle. It's like you, you went through adversity, but that adversity was a seed to mm. make you greater. And now yeah. it gave you these two invaluable lessons that have forever changed your life and led to this deep fulfillment. And, you know, I think we're all guilty of like some external, like, Thing that we're we're trying i my, myself included we're trying to fill you know i saw yeah. you my car and um you know just to hear like your perspective and, and how much like you've changed over the years like in terms of the the just this traumatic experience how it's how it's, you've gained so much wisdom and, and it's like literally bought back um it's it not i wouldn't say bought back but it's really filled like so much fulfillment in you it sounds like and it's really like led you to this um this like as you say like now you're really in your zone of genius you know where you're oh, yeah. thriving man you're like you're having these experiences and i am meeting all these people man like these countries that like i would just see on like national geographic or on instagram i'm going to these wild and crazy countries where like no one speaks english i'm in a town where like I'm like the only non-Asian person here. You know, I stick out like a sore thumb and it feels so good. I'm like tasting weird foods, having crazy conversations. Like I'm meeting these people, having these beautiful connections. I've seen just like the lowest levels of poverty and seeing like the worst conditions with these people are so happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I would have never came to this weird part of the world. You know, it's like a 30 hour flight from where I live, but I would have never came here to experience this if it wasn't for what happened in those past three years, you know? Yes. And I, and, and I want to really riff on that now. Cause, cause the, the, the average guy, like that for our listeners, like listening to this, like it's, it's really like we could, we could, I think we could both agree. It's like the guy that's a hustler like you that grinds it out, works hard. And maybe he needs that wake up call or maybe, you know, he, he, he's he's really crushed it in his business but he's neglected his health and so mm. it sounds like you've you know the, maybe not so much you were neglecting your health during the time you were crushing it with your with your business but there was i still was i wasn't that. i was drinking a lot and partying too much and you know i i was like i was living a toxic life behind the scenes i mean i yeah i'll admit that not gonna yeah. lie but but now like you've had this shift and and I I was looking even on your story the other day and 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 like you I remember you're at the gym and I think you recently maybe in the not recently is in the last few months had a had a um a mastermind at one of your places and there was like a bunch of like jacked up dudes but you, oh, yeah. <laughs> you were holding it with them like they were they were some bodybuilders there and uh and um what 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 I'm so like amazed by though is like like what you've been able to create today and how like you've kept your now like you you've repositioned your health as being the priority. Oh yeah, health, yeah. longevity, blood work every two weeks, uh, stem cells, you know, vitamin IVs. Uh, yeah, I want to hear it. Yeah, what's the, what's yeah. the routine? Tell us the tell, what's oh, yeah. working. Yeah, so you know, I I'm 42 years old, you know, and uh, I'm at a place where now I'm really concerned about living a long, healthy life. And uh, my home base is Thailand. You know, Thailand is great because uh, the U.S. dollar is like insanely strong there. You know, um, to give you an idea, I live in a penthouse right by the beach. This is like a 3,500 square foot penthouse. 
three massive bedrooms, two balconies, state-of-the-art. Everything is modern. And uh, my penthouse costs $800 a month rent. Bro, this penthouse in Miami would be $20,000 a month. You know, oh my God. it's massive. It's right on the beach. It's like the most luxurious part of town that I'm in, prime time, you know? And I'm like, I'm living like a king for $1,000 a month, you know? And um, the great thing about Thailand is obviously the, the expenses are very, very low, but it's a very freedom open source system. Now, the medical system there is unlike America, where you just go into the hospital, you go to a pharmacy, you just get whatever you want, right? So I'm just very big on my blood work. Uh, every two to three weeks, there's a blood work place. I get a full panel blood test, and it's like a la carte. You check out what you want, the panels. And um, if I'm curious about my liver, my kidney, if I'm testing a supplement or a neurotropic, uh, how is this affecting my blood sugar? How is this affecting my cholesterol? Um, I'm getting real-time data and feedback. Now, I decided because my test levels were below what I want to be, I went on TRT. Now, TRT in the United States or a lot of places, you have to literally go to a doctor. They do a series of tests. A lot of times the doctor has to inject you. It's very closely guarded. You have to pay a fortune to go through the medical system. Here, I get my blood work done every two weeks. You walk into a pharmacy, there are no prescriptions required. All right, I want testosterone. I'll try a little bit of growth hormone. Oh, Anavar. I heard cool things about you. So you just get whatever you want. The problem is that because you get whatever you want, you can also get lost in the sauce because you get all the opiates you want, all the Xanax, I mean, just really bad drugs, or even abusing steroids because everything is over the counter. But if you're an intelligent person, you focus on longevity, you know, I take my uh, weekly testosterone shots, monitor my blood work, make sure my test, estrogen, growth hormones in the right place, got a solid thyroid going. And then there, um, Really high-end longevity protocols are extremely affordable. So stem cells are essentially illegal in the United States, but they have certain clinics that do it, and it costs about $20,000 a shot. It's extremely expensive, but extremely powerful. These are you know satellite cells from an embryo, a baby, that you're injecting into your body to literally reverse the hands of time. If you have an injury, you get injected into the injury, it heals it because it's like the, the cells of a newborn baby. It is just full of so much healing energy. You can also IV it. So the stem cells go throughout your whole body and whatever needs healing, the satellite cells attach to it. And it just, it's like the fountain of youth. You can go to Mexico, you know, Colombia. It's about $2,000 a shot. Guess how much that same shot is in Thailand. Um, well, if it's, if you said 2000 a shot, America, I'm guess, 20K, Mexico, 2K. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll say like, it, it's gotta be at least like what, like 10, like not even a hundred bucks maybe. Right. $200. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So like, bro, I'm getting these stem cells and I'm feeling like the 20 year old version of myself, you know, full of energy, phenomenal sleep, no more injuries, no more aches and pains. I'm training super hard in the gym. Uh, healthy food is extremely abundant over there. Um, we were talking about the, the Hormozy method of eating out or DoorDash, right? 
here it's even crazier because you don't have to cook anything. Um, I pretty much have like this chicken, rice, super healthy salad, an entire dish, two giant grilled chicken breasts, brown rice, salad, uh, teriyaki. It's this amazing meal and it costs me a dollar twenty-five. Wow. It's fresh. That's <laughs> you know? crazy. So uh the town where I live in, it's like all online coaches. It's a beach town, it's a very fitness oriented. So there's a lot of huge influencers. Uh actually uh, a good friend of mine, Connor Murphy, if yeah. you know the YouTube. Um, I invited him to come to Thailand as a little vacation, you know. He was just a little down in the dumps. He was living in Missouri. He didn't make content in a long time. And he was just kind of burnt. I said, come to Thailand. Just come for a week or two. We got a two-week uh, trip, January 19th. And within the first week, he fell in love. He ended up canceling his return home flight. He just revitalized his entire business, started creating content again. He's actually in the best shape of his life, utilizing all these amazing systems and you know, he just decided, I, I want to live here. So he moved there. And uh, just the amount of money that he's making is magnified, right? Because, like, if you make $10,000 a month, it's like making $2 million a month in Thailand, you know? Oh, my gosh. My next door neighbor is Joe Aesthetics. You know? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he, there's the building. We have uh, two penthouses. I live in one penthouse. He lives right next door to me, you know? And he's living his life, you know, driving an amazing supercars and motorcycles and extremely luxurious because the money that he's making is like magnified, amplified 30, 30 times, you know, good friend of mine, uh, Tony Huge, you know, he's a well-connected guy, but he's the one who connected me with all of the, um, the longevity protocols and the clinics, the doctors, Vigorous Steve, one of the smartest guys on life extension, biohacking. So it's this entire community of online coaches and biohackers. People just want to have extremely high quality of life, amazing gains with their physique, you know, long life uh, for, for themselves and their family, their wives, their girlfriends, their kids. And they come to Thailand because a lot of the people there, they live extremely well off of $1,000 a month. Now, if you're really, really balling, you spend $3,000 a month, then you have like, you know, the equivalent of someone earning $10 million a year in the States, you know? So it's smart for anyone who has online income to come to a place like that and have this incredible lifestyle, beautiful 75, 80 degree weather, sunny all year round, never rains, zero winter, zero cold weather. It's like, you know, it's like Miami, Florida times a hundred in terms of freedom, right? You can do whatever you want. And uh, it's, it's an amazing lifestyle and it's great to see more and more um, online influencers and, and, and coaches go there and make a life for themselves. Yeah, it's it's so so what I'm hearing and I, I definitely get it. The, the ratio of, of the cost of living makes sense to live there. And, and it seems like the the food's a lot healthier. You have an oh, yes. abundance of like of I mean, the treatments. Yeah, the treatments. It's it's a, a lot. So a lot of your focus now is a lot on the 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 biohacking, the um, getting deep into like the um, you know the hormonal stuff, getting deep into the blood work. And yes, I think as someone like as a, as an investor, as a as a you know a seven figure earner, eight figure earner, or even just like someone who's making a couple hundred k a year, a business owner, like 
just like your business, you treat the, you go down to the metrics, the things that are really pulling the the business forward. You know, what are the, what are the, like the key point indicators that are like shifting that business forward? What's, what's like your bread and butter, what's driving the business. And I like how you really go to the bread, like the, what's the driver for you is like the blood work, the, the biometrics, all that stuff. So it sounds like that's, that's really positioned you to, to leverage, you know, you, it sounds like you've reached a point where everything's leveraged, you know, and you've, you've mastered the systems. Yeah. Thank, thankfully. And uh, again, I would have never came here if it wasn't for those set of events that led me to go to Asia, you know, because again, I never thought that I would ever live in Thailand. I lived in New York my whole life. You know, I came here as a one-year-old immigrant refugee kid and that's all I knew. Okay. Live in New York, just get a bigger house and a nicer car. And like, it wasn't until I went to this other part of the world, this elite different continent, the far East and uh, Thailand is known as the land of smiles. It's one of the happiest countries in the world because everywhere you go, people are smiling at you. They're so happy. They're like dirt poor. They don't have a pot to piss in, but they're so happy. And that happiness goes to you because these people are so poor and like the town that I live in, it's like a beach town. So everyone's just wearing tank tops and sandals. Like no one drives like flashy cars. No one, it's like so different when you go to like Miami, LA, Austin, New York, you know, these towns, people are flexing and bawling and, you know, it's, it's, it's like this materialistic life, but there, um, no one has supercars, you know, no one has expensive things. Like you could have a person that's worth $30 million, but they're just wearing a tank top shorts and is walking around, you know? So it's very interesting to go into that lifestyle because even the Thai people, you know, they're the nicest people. They're so respectful. Uh, Thailand is one of the happiest countries, also one of the safest where the, the, the crime is very low I, no one gets robbed no one gets mugged <laughs> women don't get raped there's no crimes happening you know i lost my phone i was on a walk on the beach it fell out of my pocket i thought maybe left it in my penthouse for two hours i went back to the penthouse after the walk the phone is not there damn i live in new york this happened before i dropped my phone i never see it ever again i have a friend who speaks thai they call the phone up and another Thai person picks up. Oh yeah, we have your friend's phone. Uh, we're at this address. We'll hold on to it until he comes. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like these people, you know, this phone is like worth a thousand dollars. For them, it's thirty thousand dollars in their money. They could easily take it to black market, get thirty thousand dollars. But Thai people, the whole country is a Buddhist country, so they believe so strongly in karma. They don't rob. They don't steal. I've heard other stories of one of my friends. He um, went to a mall food court, was eating his meal, left his wallet on the table. He had about $30,000 to buy furniture and items for his new house. And he left it there. It wasn't until he got home. Oh, shit, I left my wallet. Who do you call when you leave your wallet on the table of a mall food court? One hour later, goes back. The wallet is on the table. All the cash is there, untouched. People, like, I just see phones on the street, wallets. I don't touch it because I'm like, wow, the person's going to come back and get it. What am I going to do, you know? So it's just, it's so weird. But when the place is so safe, you feel so happy because you're not looking out for predators and threats and someone robbing you or trying to hurt you, you know? 
Yeah, that's that's I mean, I wish I wish America was that way, but it sounds it's so like, weird, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's that's a that's a heck of a uh, environment to be in, man. Like I can't it's a hell of an environment to be in. I can't imagine like the, you know, the the ability to leave your wallet full of cash. And then it's crazy. No one does and anything. It's like paradise. You know, and I realize there are parts of the world because so many guys are like me. I went for the first time last July for a vacation. You know, let me just feel it out. Uh, just like Connor Murphy, within the first week, I said, I'm, I'm moving here. I, I'm done. This is my decision. He just stayed there and he said, fuck, bring the rest of my stuff back. I'll just buy more of it. I just went back to America, sold off whatever else I had and just got a one-way ticket. And there's all these stories of these people that do what Connor did. They go there for a vacation and uh, essentially they don't go back. You know, they just like have their family ship their items. They just kind of live there. You know, actually, uh, our mutual friend, Tyler Kelly, Tyler Kelly and Bree, they're coming to visit. Oh, no way. They, they, they might come and uh, decide to stay for the rest of their lives. They, yeah, they, they move out. Well, I, I might be right there with them, me and Kelly. Come on down, you know, <laughs> bring your wife down. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most beautifulest countries, exotic. I mean, I've been to so many different countries. But just the islands, the beaches, uh, there's nothing like it. You know, I, I can't explain it, but people that live in Thailand or end up moving there will tell you the same. You travel to all these different places and then you're like, all right, this is a good vacation. Look forward to getting back home. Uh, I go there. Many of us go there and it's like, wow, this is so much better than home. I don't want to go to that crap America, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I could totally see that. Well, it, it's I, I would definitely want to I want to expand on this another time and, and really yeah riff about this some more there's there's so much you know we covered man today and um you know really to to as we as we approach the the near end of this is is like i wanted to ask you one last question before we head off here and, and we'll we're gonna have to do this again because this oh, is, i would love to i would love to there's too much good like it's so a very much. uh engaging passionate combo i love talking to you I could talk for hours on end. This is so much fun, dude. It's so good. It's so so like organic. Just love love what we've talked about. Um, the the key thing I wanted to to really leave you with today, and there's a lot of wisdom you already brought up, but if if we could really summarize it to just one thing, and just to give you some context, is is you and I, um, I think we almost went to this the seminar together a while back. Like we almost you almost went out there. Was uh, Lewis House? He has. Oh yeah, some of the greatness. Someone of greatness. He has his own podcast. He's actually a, a big inspiration of of you and also, uh, or not you, but you uh, with the podcast. You inspire me, and then also Lewis House to get into that segue into that. And I know that on some of his episodes, he had this like golden question, and I remember you had this golden question, like, "What's your superpower?" His golden question was, you know, it was like, you know, if you if you were on your last breath, or you were on, you know, your your it was your last day. And you were given three truths about your life that you've learned. What would be those three truths? So rather than us talking about three truths, we're going to get a little spin on it. And we're just going to do one truth. What would be that one truth for you? Mm. Honestly, it's my philosophy on life and just through the best experiences, the worst experiences, how I view reality. And that is to maximize this moment because this moment is it. Uh, I look at every moment, every day, like it's my last day on earth. Sadly, over the past year, 
I don't know what it is because of the pandemic or just the way the world is. I've experienced so many sudden deaths of people close to me, young guys in their 20s, 30s, 40s, dying. And like, I didn't realize that that was our last conversation. That was the last time I was hanging out with them. And it's like the moment is so transient. We think we're going to live forever. God forbid you could have a freak accident, die, and that's it, right? Because this is it. So the more that I remind myself to maximize this moment, more I realize that this is life. Life is here and now. I don't know what's going to happen one year from now, 10 years from now. Yes, I'm planning for the future. I'm being smart and I'm not being crazy and partying and having sex and doing a bunch of drugs and spending all my money to just like not think about the future. No, I'm intelligent. Yes, I'm planning for a very long life. I'm doing longevity. I'd love to be 150. However, this is reality. This is all we have. Austin, this conversation is a beautiful conversation. I don't want to end, but it'll never happen again for all of eternity. Yes, there will be a part two, but it won't happen the way it's doing now at this time, at this date, in this moment. And all of a sudden, when I maximize the moment, I get very present to the moment. And I'm not thinking because uh, the more that we think, the more that we suffer, right? Overthinking is even worse, but even thinking, because if you're thinking, you're not here. So in a lot of my practice, it's a moving meditation to think as least as possible, to feel in all my senses, uh, touch, smell, taste, hearing, and I'm here present with you. And when I'm with someone, especially if I'm dating them or a close friend, I put my phone to the side. A lot of times I'll turn it off and I'm so present to them because I maximize the moment. Let's talk about things we don't normally talk about. This is a great question. You know, I'm going to go see actually a, another mutual friend of ours, Pat, Pat Pilla. I'm going to go spend time with her. I want to answer this question because having these deep, rich conversations, you talk about things you don't talk about. You become vulnerable, right? And you forget you have a phone, right? But when you're on your phone, you're scrolling. You're not in the moment. You're in this weird world that you're in the zombie to technology. So the more that I maximize the moment, the more I maximize life. Because I don't know if I have another 40 years left or four hours. But if I maximize the four hours, if I pretend like these four hours are the last moments of my life as a human being and it just all goes away, I live such a richer life because it's every second every moment, every conversation, every person, I love them, I care about them. I may not ever see them again. And when I think about it like that, like, I love you, I appreciate you. God forbid if anything happened to you, I'd be devastated, I'd be crying for days, I'd be heartbroken. So right now, as we're spending this time, I'm cherishing it as if it is our last time because it makes it that much more special. Dude, I absolutely love that. And 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 one key thing that, that a big word that stood our big, I guess you could say alliteration that stood out to me was moving meditation. Mm. You know, I think that that holds so much weight is it's this, it's almost like this and not had hedonic isn't the right word, but it's almost like this, like this meditation that is in constant flow and yeah, put yourself in that every single day. Do you, you've won. And, um, I just, man, I just want to say, dude, I really do appreciate you carving out the time and, and, um, you know, allowing me to experience this, this moving meditation we just experienced together, man. This is, this yes. is, a, this is a great, great 
you know, first show. Um, I, I couldn't have asked for anyone better to come on the show, man, to start it off. And, you know, this is this is the the first interview style. Like this is the first of many. I can't wait to have. Yeah, I've never been on a podcast like this. Uh, thank you for having me. This is amazing. Like, again, it's like if you were like, hey, Angel, let's do another hour. Sounds good. Let me uh, delay my schedule, you know, because uh, I love this conversation. And this is really what a podcast should be because, man, it's not like scripted. It's not like the same old questions. Hey, how'd you get started? How'd you make your first, you know, what are the, because it's like, yeah, there's so much strategy things, but having a very open, vulnerable conversation, you're a phenomenal interviewer. It's very hard to believe that, you know, this type of podcast is like your first one because you're like a natural at this. I think you should do more of these and have people that have very uh, intellectual minds that can look at the world through a deep lens and asking them these questions, you know, because at the end of the day, like, I think we learn so much more from, from these type of conversations than the, the tactics and like the five ways to do this. And you know what I mean? Because I think there's a depth and substance to what you're doing. And I think it'll help a lot of people. Thank you, man. I, I definitely, now that you've said that, I, I think we'll have to do the next one when in a physical space when I have, you know, the studio, we'll, we'll, we'll record it, video. Well, I'm setting the intention for you and your wife to come to Thailand. So uh, we'll do it <laughs> in my penthouse overlooking the beautiful ocean. I, I like that idea, man. Well, I do appreciate the, the like, your ability to hold space, be vulnerable, be like, you, you know, just, just be you, man. And to share all the wisdom and, and allow me to experience this journey with you, what, what you've created, like what, you know, you, you've, you've been this, um, you could say like, I know Jesse Eldridge is this, like this lighthouse perspective and like mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't, you don't push people in you, you yeah. have this light that illuminates and, and it's, it's drawing and it, it, it wants to pull you in. It's this charisma that draws you in. And, um, you know, I would love to have more people just like you in the future on this. So, thank yeah, you. Yeah, for- actually, I have some people that just came to mind. There's after Jesse Elder, a great mutual friend of both of ours, a whole lighthouse tugboat analogy. Yeah, I remember that. I'll never forget that. And like guys like him. And I'm just thinking about like so much people that would be awesome to be on the show because, again, like, you know, I, I turned down a lot of podcasts. Like I sold my business and like at the end of the day, I'm not selling anything. So I don't want to be on like random people's shows. You know, one of the purposes of having a business, you go on a podcast, you pitch, you get some leads. I was like, I, I, I don't care for any of that, but to have a substantial conversation, this is awesome. And I'm realizing like I did yours because I know the conversation is going to be great. No matter what I'm doing, I make time for you. But like so many guys that would be on the show, now I'm like, man, they're going to benefit so much because they get to meet you, have an incredible conversation. On top of that, the audience, they get massive benefits too. That's it, man. And that's that's the goal is to to, to make it as, as, as organic as possible. And, and that's all it is, man. It's so just to hear your story over this last hour, again, I, I do appreciate like everything you know you shared. You have no much, or you have no much, you have no idea how much this means to me and then the other people like these guys listening how much this is in like i guarantee it this is this is not just changed one person's life it's changed many people's lives so um i just want to say thanks again man and this is one of one of many in the yes future. cheers cheers and congratulations you know this is a great great start to a podcast i'm excited to see where it goes and the amazing uh, incredible people that you interview so i'm looking forward because i want to subscribe to it because 
I like I, if all the conversation is going to be like this, I'm going to be a loyal listener. I'll be your your biggest fan. Well, you know what? The <laughs> pressure's on, and with that, we'll 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 keep it there. Yes. Good stuff. Thank you so much. This is the Higher Podcast. Gravitating toward your higher self.